Lori is uh, an elder here at the Vineyard, also a very close friend, and uh, has a great heart for God. So I'm excited to hear what God gave you to give us. Thanks. Thanks, Randy. Good morning. Let's pray, shall we? All right. God, thank you so much that you are here already. Thank you, uh, even as Michelle prayed, and I really feel as your heart this morning that you really want us to experience uh, real change this morning. You want to make us new, renew us, and revive us this morning, Lord. Uh, You alone have the power to change us. And so we want to honor you and give you all the glory. And even as we are here in your presence and we are reminded and see again how amazing you are, how beautiful, how lovely, how wonderful. Lord, we know that all things then are possible with you. And so we just say, here we are today, God. We want to be holy and fully yours. We want to... We really want to be changed into the image of your son. And we know that that is why you created us, to be filled with the fullness of you. So would you do this morning what only you can do? And we surrender and ask that your spirit would be poured out here in greater measures than we've ever experienced it. Would you overwhelm us, overtake us? And would we be always and forever giving you the glory by our lives? In Jesus' name, amen. All right. Randy started a, a series a few weeks ago about trans, um, what, what was it about? About renewing, about uh, transformation was the word I was looking for. Real change. Anybody else here besides me that there are a few things that would, uh, could stand to be changed in our lives? Yeah. And uh, anybody else here besides me feel like sometimes there are things in my life that keep me from being who I know I'm supposed to be? You know, things maybe that prevent me from going out and doing all that I can for the kingdom. There are some things that sometimes hinder me and hold me back. And last week he talked about renewing our minds and how just even changing the way we think, giving God uh, total control of our minds and recognizing lies, things like that. We, we are beginning to be transformed in the way that we think. And I, that my prayer is that you experience some of that this week. My, and what we could talk about this morning is renewing our emotions and harnessing their power in our lives. When I first started writing it out, I, I wrote down overcoming our emotions. I thought, no, 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 wait, Lori. You don't want to overcome them. We just want to harness them and bring them under the authority of Jesus. So when Randy started this series, I love the way that he, he made a picture. I'm a picture person. So the picture helped me with the first, um, the way that things are lined up. Do we have that first one there? So if God wants to renew us, he's going to start From the inside out. Remember when he talked about that? He's going to start with our spirit. And when we ask Jesus to come into our lives, if you have done that, if you haven't, would you open up yourself to that possibility this morning? Because that's where life change really, really starts. Is when we say, I don't want to rule anymore. And I see that you are the king of kings. And I want you to rule. And would you come in and forgive my sin, make me alive on the inside, and bring your spirit to live inside of mine? Okay, so that's the first renewing thing that has to take place, right? Okay, so when he comes in and begins to, to live in here, our spirit man comes alive. And he makes us holy by his very presence in us, the Holy Spirit. He now lives in here. And now we are in correct alignment. To re- we want him to rule. We give him control over all the other areas of our life. Does that make sense? Underneath there, you can also have soul and your body and all the other aspects of your life. Last week was mind. Today is emotions. But this is the correct alignment. And everything works really well as long as those things stay in place, as long as God is given all authority. We ask for his kingdom to come, his will to be done in all areas of our lives. His reign, his rule. He calls the shots. He's my CEO, as Randy said, okay? Now, we get messed up when one of these things wants to take his place. When one of these things in my life tries to rule over his spirit ruling in me. And I don't know about you, but this happens to me frequently in that something in my body wants to rule. Something in my mind says, no, 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 I know that this must be true. Or something in my emotions wants to rule. 
So we're going to talk this morning. I love the analogy he used about the back. If, if one vertebrae gets out of whack, right, or something in your spine is misaligned, it affects your whole person, doesn't it? In the same way, if one of these is out of whack, we're not going to be... Some, we're going to be a messed up person all the way around. So that's what we're going for this morning is to get everything in the correct alignment. Um, a, a phrase that God gave me, and I, I really felt like it was him, is this. And I want you to memorize it until it's obnoxiously stuck in your brain. Here it is. Emotions motivate. Our emotions indicate. But I don't want my emotions to dictate. Okay? So emotions are good. Our emotions are very, very powerful in our lives, and the Lord wants to use them, but he doesn't want them to use us. So would you say it with me so that we get this stuck in our brains here? Say it. Emotions motivate. Emotions indicate. But I don't want my emotions to dictate. So that is what we're going for this morning. Another uh, idea that he gave me was that uh, right before Christmas this year, um, I got to go see the uh, Broadway musical Wicked when it came to town. Anybody else? Got to go one night with the girls. Got to go one night with my mom and my sister, my sister-in-law. And we were going to go downtown, have dinner beforehand, make it a whole night of it, right? Gonna, girls' night out. So uh, Steve says to me, my husband, he says, now don't forget, that's the same night as the Colts playoff games. So you don't want to go down and get into dinner and then get stuck in the traffic and then you can't get to where you need. Not that you've ever done that, Lori, but, you know, you want to plan well so that you can get to where you need to be without stress. I'm like, great idea. So we plan and map out how we're going to get there, the time, so that then the game gets out. And then we can, you see what I'm saying? So we had it all mapped out. We're driving down. We're almost there. And I realize, oh, left those directions that we had planned out back at home. Ah, on. So I call Steve on the phone. Mm, he doesn't pick up. Can't, can't reach him. So I'm like, all right, I can do this. I've been downtown 100,000 times. I've been to this restaurant before. I'm just going to go with my gut. So we get down there. I get off at the exit. I'm like, hmm, doesn't look familiar. I think it's right over here, though. We'll get this. I'm just going to go with my gut. So we take another turn, and you know where I'm going with this. 20 minutes later, I'm still going with my gut. And now at this point, we are stuck at the circle. And the circle is stuck, and no cars are going around. Everybody is just bumper to bumper. No, you, know, you know how each of those roads, nobody's going off, and nobody can get on. You ever been in that situation before? It's, you have. It's just stuck. You live down there. Okay, so we're just sitting there, and we're not going anywhere. And yes, of course, by now, the Colts game has gotten out, and so it's just mass chaos. And by this time, we really don't need to go see Wicked, because at this point, I have become quite wicked in who I am. Then I say to myself, hello, you have GPS. What in the world are you doing? So my mom's like, oh, I'll just put it in here. Where are we? I'm like, I don't even know what road this is, you know, and we can't move anyway. My sister-in-law is in the back going, I have your phone. You have a map app on here. Why don't we use your map app? I'll just put it in here. And so I'm thinking, look what I have done. I had all these resources, didn't use one of them, just went with the gut, you know. I think you know where I'm going. When I live my life just by my emotions, just by my gut, I often will find myself, most of the time, stuck, lost, and sometimes in a circle or a cycle that I just cannot even get out of. And that is really, uh, that's, I've lived that. How, anybody else? When I just go with my gut, when I just say, I'm so excited about this, I'm just going to do it, and you just go, but we haven't really consulted anything else say God, for example, you know, but here's the good news. God is so good to us. He gives us a map that we can refer to at all times. This one's this Bible here. It has become literally my everyday food for my soul. It says it is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. It will show me where to go even if I don't know where I am. And he's given us an internal GPS. I absolutely love this about God. Anybody have GPS on your cars these days? It's kind of the cool thing, isn't it? And I love it that I'm driving along and I can be blonde and not thinking about anything. And this voice out of nowhere will say, at the next light, please turn right. I'm like, yes, this is so great. So I turn right. I'm like, how does she know where I am? I'm just like, that's amazing to me. I don't even understand it. But isn't it great? So isn't that like the Holy Spirit in our lives? It's this internal voice that will tell us, Lori, at this road, turn right. Lori, keep going straight. Don't, you, uh, don't turn off that road. Keep on. Lori, don't go down there. You know that what will happen. Don't go. It's that internal voice. You know it, 
right? If he lives in you, you know what I'm talking about. And he wants us to learn more and more how to listen to his internal voice. Because he will guide us and keep us out of being lost, stuck, or stuck in a cycle. That's his heart for us. How good is he? And keep this in mind. Anything he tells you through that internal voice will always line up with the truth of what's in here. I love it how he gives me checks and balances. Because I can know that, okay, is that my voice or is that God's voice? Well, does it line up with here? If it's, if it's, if it's in here and it doesn't contradict it, then I can pretty much uh, trust that I can go with that voice. Does that make sense? So I love it that God knows our weaknesses. He knows we need to be led. And for those of us who will turn up the volume and not let his voice be drowned out by all the other noise and the road noise around us, we will begin to hear him more and more and be led by that. And when you do have that gut feeling, we're not just supposed to ignore it, but let's bring it underneath the authority of the Holy Spirit and say, is this you? Is my gut you? Is this strong feeling that I'm feeling, is it you? And he will tell us. He will confirm to us. He will use checks and balances with us to communicate clearly. I love how he does that. All right. Our emotions truly do motivate us. Our emotions are good. Obviously, they are God-given. In fact, it says that it's the very fruit of his life in us. It's the result of him coming in and living. Because the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace. I love it that those are the first three mentioned. Is that not great? Is that not indicative of who he is? Love, joy, peace will come in when he comes in to live in here. If we don't feel those, then we're missing out on all that he has planned for us. That's, his, that's who he is. And that is a natural thing. And then he uses our emotions that he fills us with. To motivate us to go and to do and to be who he's called us to be in the world. For example, he fills us with a love for each other that causes us to care for each other. He fills us with a compassion so that we want to go serve the poor. We want to. We want to lay our lives down for each other. He fills us. He moves us. You see what I'm saying? It's a strong feeling. He he maybe fills us with um, a righteous indignation. So that we will stand up for what is right and and fight against injustice. Those emotions, they move us to act, don't they? I I can mentally know that there are orphans in Africa. But if God comes in and breaks my heart for them, and I will be moved by my emotions to go and to do something about it. Do you know what I'm saying? That's not the only way, but that's one of the main ways. He will move us. I got so encouraged after I thought he said this to me. Let's say it one more time. Emotions motivate. Emotions dictate. But I don't want my emotions to dictate. I felt so encouraged because I, then I said, well, I might as well look up emotions in you know, Webster's just you know, for fun. See what it says. And do you know that it says emotion is to move? And I looked at it all and I went, the word motion is in that word. I'd never even realized that. To move. So I, th- I think that's what God wants us to know today. That sometimes those emotions he gives us underneath the authority of the Holy Spirit can be used to move us to go and do the kingdom that he's calling us to do. And he gives us the want to and the in, compelling to do it. That is such a great God that he does that. Also, I got encouraged when I looked up uh, emotion in the uh, dictionary because uh, I found my name in there. I was like, look at that. To be emotional is to be... I'm just kidding. All right. Um, let me tell you why I say that. Listen to, how it, listen to how it describes emotion. To be demonstrative, ardent, enthusiastic, passionate, excitable. I'm like, that's me. That's good. <clears throat> then I went on. Hysterical. Temperamental. Mm-hmm. Irrational. Yep, in that one. Sentimental, affectionate, neurotic. And possibly high-strung. Yes, that would be me. My husband just said a silent amen. I heard him with my spirit, man. I know he just did that. Okay, does anybody else find it just a little bit ironic that out of all the sermons given from this place, that a woman would be giving the one on emotions? I don't know, Randy, if that's like your sense of humor. I know for a fact that it is God's sense of humor because he and I have been laughing for about two weeks now. And to the point of, if you don't apply this, you won't be standing up there on Sunday morning. And so it has been a good time with uh, God and I as he reminds me. Most of all, you guys, I want you to know that I have lived this. And my emotions 
used to be a big controlling factor in my life. And I was not a fun person to be around during those times. So I can stand before you today with a true heart of wanting to share that because he has done a miracle in me. And I'm not the same person that I was 20 years ago. So I thought, wow, you are, you're amazing. The other thing that I want us to really hear this morning and to be reminded of, I know you know this, some of you, our God is an emotional God. He is a God of emotions. He is not some all-sovereign, platonic, uh, you know, dull voice from the heavens, but the man behind the curtain who we rules over us. Do you know what I'm saying? He is a living, emotional, loving, feeling person that wants to have a relationship with us. He is not just a list of rules and regulations. He's a living being. Our God wants to have a relationship with us as a father. Jesus wants to have a relationship with us as our savior, our best friend. It's, and, and in order to do that, we've got to have a relational, you know, it's got to go back and forth with someone who's alive you and who feels. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, so look, take it like this way. God, our God says in the Old Testament that uh, he is angry. He's been angry before. He's felt anger. Um, it says that he was grieved that he ever made man. Uh, over and over, it talks about the emotions of God. Let's go to the New Testament. Jesus himself, I believe with all my heart, was a joyful person. How do I know this? Well, at one point when he and the disciples had, had, uh, had victory over all these demons, it says that he rejoiced greatly. In the Hebrew, that meant that he danced for joy. And I think he was joyful just because everybody wanted to be around him. Even the children were drawn to him. Children know. They don't want to be around cranky people. You know? It's like, so I know that I know he was a joyful Jesus and still is because I experience him daily. And he says to us in John, my joy will be in you and your joy will be complete. He has a joy that's different than my joy. It is the joy of Jesus. It literally is my strength. This really is decaffeinated. And I really say that when people ask me that question, it really is him. I I experience his joy on a daily basis. That is who he is. And he had other emotions. You guys tell me, what did he feel when he went into the temple and they used his father's house as a place for buying and selling. What did he feel? PO'd. Yes, he was PO'd. He was, it was anger, you guys. Righteous anger. And what happened? It moved him to make a whip and to drive everybody else out. He said that zeal for his father's house consumed him. I mean, is that emotional? And sometimes when we read these things in the scriptures, I think we've become so used to them, some of us. Oh, he drove out the money changers with a whip. I mean, obviously a man wrote that. <laughs> I'm just kidding. There would be more exclamation points if I had written. But anyway, um, sometimes I think we miss the drama behind it. Do you see what I'm saying? He was moved. He was moved to drive them out because zeal for his father's house consumed him. Jealousy that his father would be praised and prayed to in that place. Do you see what I'm saying? Jesus himself, he was moved with compassion over and over again when he healed people, when he raised the widow's only son. He was moved with compassion. That's what made him do what he did. He loves us so much. And then what happened when he went to the tomb of Lazarus, one of his dearest friends? Lazarus had died. It says two words. Jesus wept. Here's a grown man crying. And why, I want to ask you this morning, why did he, why did he cry? You may be thinking, well, you know, his friend just died. I don't think that's it. See, here's why. Because three days earlier, his disciples had come to him and said, Lazarus is sick. We better get over there because you have the ability to heal him. And I know he's one of your dearest friends. We better go. Jesus says to his disciples, no, this sickness will not end in death. So he knew, Father had, had somehow revealed to him that Lazarus was not going to die, that this thing was going to end up okay, didn't he? He knew that. So when he gets to the tomb, why does he cry? I think it's because Mary and Martha were there, also very dear friends of Jesus, two people whom he loved, sisters of Lazarus. And when they came to him, their hearts were broken. And they were angry, I believe. I think they were questioning God. 
Jesus, if you had been here, our brother wouldn't have died. Where were you? You're Alpha, healing other people. But aren't we your friends? I mean, can't you just hear? I just have a feeling that their hearts were broken. They were angry. They were hurt. They were confused. And don't you think that he wept? Because his heart broke with theirs. That's what I think. I think that he was so moved by their compassion. He loved them so much. His emotions were tied into them so much that whatever broke their heart broke his. And what they were feeling, he entered into and felt it completely. Do you see what I'm saying? And then I felt the Holy Spirit say this to me. Jesus Christ is the same. Yesterday, today, and forever. What does that say to me? That when you and I cry today... He's still crying with us. I really believe that. I really believe that he loves you and me so much that when you are hurting, he hurts with you. He is still the same Jesus. He's still loving us, still passionately interceding for us. He is well acquainted with our grief. I think that when we hurt, he hurts. So some of you have, have been in those places where you're like, nobody knows how I feel about this. No no one understands this pain. He does. He sees it and he knows it. And I really believe that he is feeling it with you and with me. I say to you tonight, those nights where you cry yourself to sleep or you're in that place where nobody else knows the, the anguish that you're going through, the betrayal, the hurt, whatever, that he is there with you. And if you invite him in, He will catch those tears and cry his own right along with them. You see, I have to know that that's the Jesus that I serve. Because he is still the same. He still loves us so much. That's how much he loves us. He cannot separate himself from how we feel. Same way that Steve and I cannot separate ourselves from how our children are doing. If you're a parent, you understand that. It's like, if our boys are hurting, we're hurting. If somebody breaks my son's heart... My heart is broken. I cannot separate myself from that feeling. He feels that for you and for me. And for us to be reminded of that this morning may be the most important thing we hear. That's who he is. Therefore, he is the only one worthy for me to say, here's my heart. And I bring it underneath your authority. And I give my whole life to you because I know you love me that much. That is who he is. That is the depth of his love for you. A million times what we parents feel for our kids. We would do anything to keep them from being hurt. That's how he feels. I I believe it. I really do. All right. One other thought, and that is I think we also need to be aware that the culture that we live in today is completely emotion-based. In other words, we make a lot of our decisions in this culture based on how we feel. Would you agree? Um, for Maybe it started in the 60s, or maybe the 60s just promoted what was already probably in our hearts. But I picture uh, the T-shirts that were out back then. If it feels good, do it. And that whole freedom revolution thing that they thought was happening, you know. And, and that began, to me, at least if I step back and look at history, kind of like it began to affect culture. It really did. It changed. The, why do I say that? Steve and I often talk about how our grandparents and our great-grandparents, they didn't live their lives this way. They lived, they lived for survival. It, if, if it needed to be done, they did it. If, if I needed to provide for my family, they did it. If God calls me to do it, they did it. Do you see what I'm saying? There's a huge difference. And I really think we need to be aware that that starting back then is affecting us today. Why are we seeing the deterioration of so many things in society? Because we're doing this. And when they thought we were breaking free to be free to do whatever we feel, really what we were doing was enslaving ourselves to another master. Now we're slaves to our emotions. You see, we all are under the authority of something. You get to choose who that is. I really believe. And so when we began to live a life of if it feels good, do it, we're saying emotions, be in control. You got the power. So then we just do whatever feels good. Okay, so like I was thinking if I was going to make a T-shirt today, I would make one that said more like this. If it feels good, check in with God and then do it. (laughs) I don't know if it fits as well on the back of the shirt, but that's what I was hoping My husband is a businessman, and he 
uh, has uh, relationships with so many people out in the world. And I see his role out there as kind of one of those shepherds that shepherds people outside the church. You know what I'm talking about? Discipling people, helping people along. His, his passion is to see people move from here to here in God's plan for their lives. And, and to show them how you make one good decision after another. And it will bring good consequences in your life. And that's what he's passionate about. But inevitably, he'll come home maybe once a week and say, oh, This person, they, they were getting their lives together. They had made some, such good strides. They were on the right track. They were seeing good results. And then... One night of passion. Or that one afternoon when they gave in to rage and made that decision. And now they have to deal with this consequence. And now this consequence is going to affect the rest of the course of their life. And some, that's, that's true for some of us in here. Just that one time. It only happened once. Isn't it true? It's happened to so many of us. I just wanted to experience it. I just wanted to see what it was like. See, this is the culture we live in. I cannot tell you how many times I hear that. I just want to know. I just wanted to experience it because we're all about experiencing things. My, my husband and my son went and jumped out of a plane on Clay's 18th birthday. I'm like, what the heck? Why would you ever do that? I just wanted to experience it. Okay, that's all right. But you know what I'm saying? We do things in this life sometimes for that reason. Do not hear this as condemnation this morning. If you're one of those that I've, your life has been altered because of that. We have a Redeemer who can give you and me the map to get us back on track, and he will use even those detours in our lives. I know he does. But for some of you out there who are thinking about it, oh, it's so much easier to go the straight way, isn't it? So, so here's the deal. Wouldn't it be great if, if it felt good and we wanted to experience it? First, we check in with God, and we ask, I bring it underneath the leadership of the Holy Spirit in my life. What do you say? I want you to be my CEO. You call the shots. This is what I'm feeling. What do you think? Do you see the difference? All right. Let me tell you quickly my story. And uh, as you can imagine, if someone like me <laughs> tends to be as demonstrative as I am and a little bit excitable uh, when I'm in, uh, full of the joy of the Lord up here in a good day, it is also true that I am quite as as passionate and demonstrative when things are not going so well. Okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm that way all the time. So if I'm having a bad day, uh, the people around me are going to know about it. And uh, especially when I was younger, let's flip 20, 25 years ago, when I was angry, I would just let it out. Because I thought that was healthy. I thought that was good. Release it. Get it out so that it doesn't bottle up. <laughs> you see, there are consequences. That was really good. All right. Well, that's what would happen. The crap would fly. I'm not kidding. And everybody around me would, like, take cover. This is really a good illustration, actually. I'm not, I'm not joking. I scared everyone around me that ever got to experience that because I just let it go. I thought, I, I want to release these emotions. I don't want to keep them bottled up. So I was just open about it. And if I, you know, I, I even grew up in a demonstrative family. I, my family is so great. I'm so blessed. But we were demonstrative. There's three of us women in the family. And when we were upset with each other, we would just sort of yell and scream at each other and let each other have it and scream and cry. And then we would kiss and say, I'm so sorry. And we'd hug and then we'd make up. And then everything was fine. And I really just thought that's the way everybody lived. Because we felt better. Then I got married. <laughs> Not only did I get married, I married Steve Orender. <laughs> and if any of you know, <clears throat> any of you know my husband, we're like this, polar opposites in how we express our emotions. I mean, like, Opposite. Now, that doesn't mean he's not uh, a feeling person. It's just that he expresses how he feels differently. And he is passionate about things, but he expresses those passions differently than I do. Okay, isn't it good of God to sometimes balance us out? I uh, think that's good. Okay, so picture with me the first few years of our marriage. Oh, dear. Okay, so like we have our first arguments. Do you know what happened? I was like, okay, I really want you to know how important this is to me. This is so important to me. This hurts me deeply, and I need you to know how deeply it hurts me. And my voice would begin to elevate, and it would get louder and louder because I really wanted to be a good communicator and let you know exactly how I feel. Nothing will be between us. I will let you know. He, on the other hand, is over here going, whoa, whoa, whoa. and he got quieter 
and quieter and did not respond. And I'm over here going, hello? People I argue with usually scream back. Why are you not responding? And he didn't say anything. And then I got madder and madder. Don't you care? Does this not matter to you? Are you alive? And I'm thinking, there's something wrong with that man. He doesn't even feel anything. (laughs) And he is thinking, I just married a raving lunatic. (laughs) I know that's what he thought. He thought, oh, dear God, what have I done? I I know... I'm not even kidding, you guys. I, w- I wish I had videotape. I'm not. It was that bad. It really, really was. Wow. Praise God for, for all he does in us. Okay. I had to come to a place where I realized that, A, my yelling and screaming was sin. Because why? I was out of control. So I was under the control of my emotions. I was not cognitively thinking, oh, I need to honor and respect and love my husband as I communicate how I feel. And so let me just say this to those of you who are married or there, let's just say you relate with anyone else on the planet. And that is that uh, Ephesians 5 says that one of the number one things men need is respect. And so, uh, ladies, sometimes when we feel like we just need to, ah, you know, we do that sometimes. (laughs) uh, We need to know that how we say what we say is as important as what we say. Because if we don't say it in a respectful, caring, loving way, he won't even hear it anyway. All he'll hear is the disrespect. Does that make sense? So we've got to, we have to bring our emotions under the control of the Holy Spirit and say, help me communicate how deeply I feel about this, how it does affect me. Because those are very real things. All right. Um, We have been married 23 years as of last weekend, praise God, and I am crazy about him, and I'm so thankful. It's why Steve and I are passionate about walking alongside other couples and and just doing life together. And and here's my little uh, side commercial. Can I do this? I hope that's all right. We're very much big on uh, pre-engagement counseling. So some of you young people out here today, if you're thinking about getting married, don't wait until you're engaged. Ask another couple to come alongside of you and say, would you just mentor us? Would you just walk alongside of us for a while? And we're big advocates and do it before you even get engaged and see if the wisdom of the Lord is in it and his hand is in. Do you see what I'm saying? Okay, commercial aside. All right. We're passionate about it because we've seen what the good things that God can do in a marriage. He's been so good to us. And Steve has been so patient with me. Then we had kids. (sighs) Okay, so it was two happiest days of our lives. I mean, I just absolutely fell in love and love them more than our own lives. We have two boys, 18 and 16. <laughs> Ask this emotional female to talk about emotions on two weeks before her son graduates from high school. Yeah, that was another funny one. That was really good. Um, not that my emotions are like this at all, but okay. So uh, where was I? Thank you. We had kids, and um, and everything was just great. And I put the, I set them in front of me. I said, I am going to be the best mom you have ever had. I love you so much. I would die for you. And I, I want, I'm going to teach you about Jesus. And we want you to know how much he loves you. And we're going to fill this house with praise music and the peace of the Lord and the joy of the Lord. It was the, some of the happiest days of my life, really. And then one of them had an idea of his own. What the heck? And then one of them decided they were going to do something I didn't tell them to do. And then I began to feel out of control. And without going into it, because it's almost too deep for me to talk about, that old habit of reacting to how I felt began to come out. And I really think that I began to be fearful that I didn't have control. I wish somebody had given me that parenting book before. you You can't control anyone, not your kids. Uh, but I began to be fearful that I was out of control. And so people with anger issues here, uh, a lot of times that's what is one of the roots of it is it's fear. So you might look into that one. I, I've had to 25 years. And so um, I let it out on them. And I'll never forget the first few times. I, I, it just boiled up within me. You can't do that. And I experienced right before my eyes the consequences of sin. And I saw it in their faces. And I know that every time we sin, there is death to something. And I saw, you know, the very things that I had wanted to protect them from, I became (laughs) or introduced to them. 
And those were some of the most painful moments of my life. I came to, the first time I ever came to this church 16 years ago, I was on the front because I was sure I had ruined my children's lives because I had screamed at them again. And that's not what I wanted to do. And I said to them, I will never do that again. Mommy, so sorry. And, and the women up here prayed for me and reminded me, you know, remind them that's why we need a Savior. Go and ask their forgiveness. Ladies here, don't feel condemned, young moms. There is hope. There's, and God is gracious. But it hurts in here, doesn't it, moms? Or dads or anyone that has hurt someone else with the consequences of your sin. Now, your, your emotional stronghold may not, be, may not be anger. It may be something else in you. What, what is it? it? It may be fear that holds you or, or causes you to act in a way that you don't want to act. It could be jealousy. It could be hatred, unforgiveness. It could be bitterness. Or what, what is it in your life? Ask the Holy Spirit. And please apply. You know what we're talking about. You guys, this one was so bad that it broke me. I, I cried and cried. And I just finally threw myself on the mercy of Jesus and said, I can't do this. I tried. I said, I'm not going to do it anymore, and then I do it. And then I'm not going to do it anymore, and then I do it. I'm in this cycle. And so I just threw myself at his mercy, and I said, I need you to save me. I give you control. I, I, I thought I was a good, strong Christian woman, and I, I, I'm not. I can't. And so I asked him to come. And to take over, would you please save me in this area? Would you, would you call the shots? Because I don't want to be in charge anymore. And I honestly think that that's probably the first place a lot of us have to start. And it, <laughs> the Lord is, hear me clearly, I know that we parents lose it with our kids. Okay, I'm not r- ridiculous. And I know that we yell at them sometimes. Here, there's no condemnation here. But I knew for me, this was a sin. Because I was stuck in it and it controlled me. And I could not stop. Do you see what I'm saying? And so the number one thing I think that helped me on my road to Jesus healing me was that I had to say, I can't. Only you can. The second thing that helped me is that I got in a small group with a group of four or five women from this church. And uh, that was 16 years ago. And we still meet almost weekly to help one another, to pray for each other, to study this road map together, to remind each other who we are in Christ and who we're not. And they have prayed for me over and over and over again. I did it again. Would you pray for me again? You know, and we've seen each other through singleness, uh, infertility, uh, possible adoptions, uh, cancer, uh, the all-important how do you deal with PMS. I mean, we have been through, we've dealt with it all, you know. We need each other. Ladies, I think especially we need each other. Guys, you need each other too. We just all need each other. But it's been a huge part of my healing, and I need you to know that. Find someone of like-mindedness that will pray for you and, and be honest with you. And here's the other thing. I've realized that my heart is deceitful above all things, and therefore I need to give someone else permission and say, when I'm being deceived, would you please tell me? Because by very nature of the definition, deceitfulness means I'm not aware that I'm being deceived. And my heart is deceitful. And so I need other people around me that love me enough to say, I think you're being deceived. You've forgotten who you are. It's been really great. The other thing is, as we studied his word, I began to hold on to this thing and digest it and cling to his promises, his voice that I hear through his word. On a daily, hourly basis, I began to write three by five cards. You will still see them falling out of my Bible. Come to my house. They're still up on my bathroom mirrors and in my kitchen everywhere because I had to have the reminder of who he is and what his promises are for my life everywhere. I had to just literally hang on to them to make change. Okay, it's not the only thing, but I'm going to tell you it helps. It helps so much. I, have to, I had to then make a part of my being The words of Jesus like, he will keep you, Lori, in perfect peace if your mind is steadfast, if it stayed on him, if you trust in me. I had to memorize scriptures like, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving in your heart, make your requests known unto God. And then what happens? Those of you who know, then the peace of God that passes all understanding. See, it's more than your mind. The peace of God will then guard your heart. Oh, is that great? Guard it. Guard my emotions. It will guard my mind in Christ Jesus. I had to memorize these things and make them part of me because I needed to hear his voice. The other 
uh, thing that, that it probably is numero uno, besides having a husband who was very patient with me, is that I began to have encounters with Jesus. And Randy talks about the, that, uses that word encounters a lot. You know, encounter, go give away. We encounter, we go give away. I had, to ha- I, I had these encounters with him where I would be in his presence, either worshiping, reading his word, your quiet time, whatever. And, and one night, especially, um, I'll share with you, I, the, a pastor was reading John 14, I think 27, over us, where Jesus says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. And I honestly felt, through the power of the Holy Spirit, Jesus' hand right here. And then I felt his peace just wash over me. I felt the burdens and the things I was carrying and all the stuff I thought I was responsible for just wash away. And it only those kind of things only happen in his presence as he himself touches us. That is the power of his spirit among us and with us. And I realize I want to be with him more and more and give him more opportunities to touch me, to be changed in his presence. Encountering him every day, I have to make it a part. Sometimes I say no to a lot of other things because i got to have him or I've become someone I don't want to be. All right, and then one of the last things that really helped me was I realized that I can't just stop feeling what I'm feeling. Okay, what is your thing? You can't just stop doing whatever it is that you're doing. You see what I'm saying? Or whatever that feeling is. That you, I can't just stop being afraid. Okay, stop it. Okay, Steve used to say to me, calm down. Yeah, that was like taking gasoline and putting it on a fire. You know, it's like, calm down is not a good one. Okay, so let's not use that one. You can't, in other words, you can't just stop feeling what you feel on the moment, right? I'm feeling jealous. Okay, I'll just stop. No. What is it? How do we, what do we do in the moment? Okay, my friend Sarah says to me the other day, well, when I'm trying to change my thought patterns... I just immediately go off three things that I'm thankful for. God, I'm thankful for this, this, and this. I'm like, that's brilliant. So, God, I thank you that you are sovereign and you are all-powerful. You love me more than I love myself. I'm reminding myself that all things are possible through you. You are the one that raised Jesus from the dead. Therefore, you can break any chain that holds me. And I just begin to remind myself who he is, and what he can do in my life. And then I remind myself, thank you for rescuing me from this, 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 and this. And I remind myself of his faithfulness in my past. And then my faith is built. And then I remind myself of what he wants to do in my future. God, thank you that your plans for me are good, and they are true, and I can trust you. And I begin to have his perspective again. And even though I can't change immediately how I feel, I can change what I think about. All of us can make that choice. And then as we do that, our emotions do follow eventually. And the more we do it, the quicker, I believe, they will follow. That's just one thing that has helped me. And I realize that I cannot just stop feeling them, and we are not to just turn them off. And, and herein lies some of us today. Some of us are out here going, you are so over the top. And I just, but some of us are thinking, I don't feel anything at all. And you're on the other end of the spectrum. And let me just say that I think both of us are missing what God has for us. You know, because if too much is, is not under his authority. None at all. Oh, we're not. Well, we're missing out on the love and the joy and the peace and all that he wants to. The fullness of God in us. That is his plan for you and for me. He says, I've come. I've come so that you could have life and have it abundantly. Those of us who have turned off our feelings, there's not a whole lot of life in there. Sometimes we feel like the walking dead. It's just dead on the inside. And, and some of us, you know, that, it happened to us as a child. You know, it hurt so much. Right? We just turned them off. Am I on the right track, Nancy? We just turned them off. And the thing that I'm learning, though, is that if you just turn one off, there's a one, just one big valve. And commonly, it just turns the whole thing off. You, you see what I'm saying? And so what I, here's what I heard this morning. The Lord wants us to have the courage to open them back up and say, Okay, God, I know it's going to hurt, and I'm afraid of it hurting even. But your perfect love casts out all fear. And so I'm going to give you permission to... Turn on the valve again and open it up and let it come. If you have been in a place of pain, you may need somebody to walk alongside you when you do that. Uh, A dear friend of mine came to, uh, uh, she used to go to another church. 
And this was like over the last 10, 12 years, every now and then she would just come here and I would get to see her and we were like catch up on old times and she'd, uh, and then she'd disappear for a while. And then she would just like show up here again, like a year later. And I'm so good to see you again. You know, and then like six months later, she'd show up here again. So then recently she showed up and she stayed for a while. And I'm, so finally I said, okay, well here, what's the deal? You know, so what, what's this true story? And she says to me, Lori, I have known Jesus all my life. I have memorized this Bible and I've done more Bible studies than anybody I know. But I don't feel, I don't feel his joy. And when I come here, I feel it. So there's something I know I'm missing. And you know, this great gal, she has pressed in. She has said, Lord, whatever it takes, I'm ready. I know I need to feel again. I want to feel your joy. I want to experience you. You know? So many of us... Okay, she came and she, she really gave God permission and she sought help. I was, had some prayer. I had some sozo prayer, uh, got some different people praying around. You see what I'm saying? But she pressed in and then realized there were some things in her past that were so painful that some of those things, she just turned them off. Does that make sense? But she gave God permission to open them back up. And I want to tell you something. She is a living, breathing miracle in my eyes because now when I see her, there's joy on her face. She's living a feeling more. And every day I think she's getting more and more. Do you see what I'm saying? You guys, if you're stuck in a cycle today, you've been trying to break free of something, or you just haven't felt anything in years, the Lord is here today to set us free, to receive all that he has for us, to be broken away from, broken free from things that have been in authority over us. If we will say, yes, I want you to call the shots. And if we will ask for people to come around us and pray. That is what I mean when I say emotions motivate and emotions indicate. What do I mean? Okay, so like they indicated in that scenario, if I don't have any at all, something is not right. In the same way that on the dashboard of my car, if a red light comes on and it's a gas light, it's like, okay, that means I got to go get gas. Or my tire pressure comes on, you know, or check under the hood. I know something is, if I don't do something soon, we're going to have problems, right? I believe our emotions, when you can tell, okay, this one is a little bit irrational, or this one controls me too much, or I know I need to break free from this, but I don't know why I'm feeling this way, sometimes the Lord wants us to use those, bring them to him and say, okay, what does this indicate? You see what I'm saying? They will show, he will use them in our lives to show us where something is wrong under the hood. Something is wrong in our hearts. Look at these scriptures real quickly. Jeremiah 17, 9. I said this one before. Our heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? See, the Holy Spirit will be our revealer, and he will in, use our, some of our emotions to indicate something's wrong inside the heart. See, in the heart, that's where the CEO is, right? That's where the Spirit of God wants to dwell and rule from. But if something is amiss, or like one of those things is out of alignment, our emotions can be used of God to show us that. Second, Psalm 19, David prayed this after he messed up royally. Remember, he was a man after God's own heart. Who can discern his own errors? Please forgive my hidden faults. See, even David knew, I can be deceived. I need to stay in tune with the Holy Spirit. And when I begin to like, okay, here's what I mean by that. Like, somebody comes into the room and it causes a reaction in you that nobody else causes in you. Do you know what I'm saying? Or, or uh, you go home for a family uh, get-together, and those old things come back up, and you realize there's still somebody, something still has a hold on me. Okay? Or like my dog poops on the carpet, and I like become the Incredible Hulk, and my neck bulges, and my eyes bulge, and I'm like, you know, no. And it's like, okay, pooping on the carpet is not good, but what does that indicate about where my heart is right now? Okay, see, so the carpet was more important than who I became. You see what I'm saying? It's an indicator. If there's an irrational emotional, ask the Holy Spirit, what does this mean? Let's go on to the next one. That's why the Lord tells us, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. Out of that flows, you know, the Lord's love and his joy and his authority. He wants to rule from there. All right, next, this is the best news of all. Ezekiel, this is what God promises. I know you can't do it on your own, Lori, so I'll give you a new heart. This is the basis of what Randy's been teaching us. And I will put a new spirit in you. The Holy Spirit now lives in us. This is great news. I don't have to patch up the old one. I will remove from you your heart of stone. Okay, read in there those of us who don't feel anything. 
And I will give you a heart of flesh. This is what the Lord is able to do. He can replace our heart of stone with a heart that beats and feels and lives again. Is that not good news this morning? And I will put my spirit in you and I will do what? Move you to follow my decrees. Oh, like, look at that. He will even move us a lot through our emotions to want to do what he wants us to do. He will put it in us to say, oh, God, I love to do your will. I delight to do your law. I love being your child. I want to do whatever you, you see what I'm saying. He will move us with his spirit in us, even affecting our emotions to want to do what he wants us to do. How good he is. Oh, my goodness. I'm in a Bible study with some college girls right now, and even this week the Lord was speaking to me. And this is the scripture he showed me. I want to show you what it says. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Often we think of this in like financial terms or or whatever, but um, it spoke to me so much about what's going on in my heart. You know how we're talking about like emotions indicate? They show me what's going on in my heart? This shows me that my heart is going to be Wherever my treasure is. When I don't know how to say something or I want God to show me, what does this mean? I'll write it out in my own words. I put my little notes up here from my journal. This is what I wrote. And so don't take this as scripture, okay? This is Lori's paraphrase. So I wrote these ideas. Where your treasure is. Oh, that's it. Uh, Lori's paraphrase. What, What you treasure, where your focus is, there will your love and your passions be. Does that make sense? So whatever it is that I'm treasuring... That's what I'm going to feel strongly about. Ooh, so my heart will indicate what I'm treasuring. Next one, I wrote this. What you treasure or you think about the most will become what you hope in, what you look to for life and for satisfaction. See, my heart, if it's really tied into something or it's affected deeply or even overruled by something, someone, What is it in your life? You know, is it that when something goes awry with your finances, all of a sudden you become somebody else? I mean, what is it that rocks your world? Is it the mention of someone's name? Is it the fear of something else? You see, what is it in your life? And then say, okay, why does it have an unhealthy attachment to me? Have I treasured it? Have I put a lot of my focus, a lot of my energy, a lot of my thought into that? Do you see what I'm saying? The Lord wants us to know what we're treasuring. Because if we're treasuring anything above him, our hearts are going to get broken. Our emotions will be shattered. <laughs> because he and he alone is to be treasured and worshipped. And all these other idols sneak into my life. And I find that I've made them more important than loving the people around me. They, my emotions can indicate where my treasure is. And I want with all of my heart today for Jesus to be my treasure. This is why worship is so important. Again, staying in his word, reminding myself how good he is, having a heart of thankfulness. And then this last scripture in Colossians 3, next to last. This is one thing that you and I can do. It says, set your hearts, okay, think emotions, your feelings, your passions, on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ. That's where I'm going to find life. It's in Him. That's the good news this morning. How do we actively treasure our Jesus? Setting our hearts and our affections, our worship on Him instead of these other things. All these other things can be very good things in our lives, but we can be revealed to us by the Holy Spirit if it's become too important. Does that make sense? And only him, only he is worthy to hold my heart. All right. The last example that has changed my whole life and I think is probably the most important thing and that is this. Well, let's just read it. On the night he was betrayed, he was what? Okay, think, how did he feel that night? What were his emotions? How many of you out here have experienced betrayal? Or your dearest friend turning on you? Or someone walking out on you? How many of you have experienced how that feels? Mm -hmm. He knows. He's there with you. He will walk you through the healing of it. 
on that night when he felt those things, he began to be sorrowful and troubled. This is the man who says, do not let your hearts be troubled. He said to them, my soul is what? Overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. See, I believe that his suffering for you and for me, I'll never know how much it costs to see my sin upon. I believe his suffering started long before the, the lashes and, they, and long before the piercing. It was an emotional anguish. The book of Luke actually says that he was in anguish. He was overwhelmed with sorrow, that deep emotion to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. So going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Yet, not as I will, not as I want, but as you will. This, to me, is the ultimate example of someone taking how all of their feelings, every one of them, that are going against what God is calling you to do. And he brings them to God and says, I don't want to do this. If there's any other way, God, please, can we do it any other way? I, can you imagine? He must have been a little afraid. He knew the anguish. He knew the sorrow. And he brought all those emotions. And what did he do with them? He did not let them rule over him. He chose instead to make God his God and entrust his heart and his very life to the one who would take him from death into life. And he said, not what I want, not what I'm feeling. I want even more what you want. This is the ultimate sacrifice. This is the ultimate surrender. And you and I need to make it every day. It is the prayer that never fails. Lord, not what I want today. Even though I'm feeling this, I really want what you want. And then, even if we have to let go of some things, he will bring us joy on the other side. Even if we have to die to some things, he will bring resurrected life on the other side. You see, why can we say yes to him? Because we will find life on the other side of every time we die to ourselves. Every time. And we may have to say no to a person, let this go, let that go. But every time he will bring us into eternal life and joy forevermore that will never be taken away from us. It is the only way to live. You see, it's like Randy said a few weeks ago, you can't kill me anymore. I'm already dead. You see, I've made a choice that I've died to myself and I will live to him. It doesn't mean we don't wrestle. It doesn't mean that we don't cry out. He asked us three times. But it means we surrender. Would you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much that you alone are worthy to rule because you love more than we've ever understood. So we today surrender our very lives to you. Every emotion, our thoughts, our feelings, our bodies, our cravings, our appetites, our addictions, our wants, and we submit everyone to you and say, here's where I am, but not what I want, Lord, what you want. Because I love you and I treasure you above all things. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to come to communion now. So would the communion servers come forward? Communion, again, is just a time where you come and you remember what Jesus has done for us and how he suffered for us and how he took our place. Why? So that we could have real life. We can have now victory over all these things that have tried to rule us. Victory is possible today. Would you bring to him as you commune with him, Lord, I see that this has become my treasure and I'm sorry for it, and put him back in the right spot. Would you bring to him that thing you want to break free from and ask for his power to be seen in your life? Surrender it to him as you meet with him today and let us come with thankfulness as we come to his table and we receive his substitution for us. Okay. Okay. This excited, uh, ardent, passionate woman has gone too long. So if you have kids, uh, they do need to be picked up uh, at least by one parent back there. But if you need prayer, if you want prayer, 
you are invited to come and meet with him here. And people will pray with you, or you can pray by yourself at the altar. Would the ministry team come forward? And listen, if you know what God's doing in your heart. You know if he's stirring something, whether it's about your emotions or about needing to be forgiven or about your treasure, where your treasure is. Come and, and talk with him about it. And, and if, well, let's let God do what he is doing. Come, come for prayer. Bless you. Um, now to him who is able to keep us from falling, may be all praise and glory be to Jesus' name. Have a great week.